Hi, this is Allison Kearns, and you're listening to Call to Connect. This podcast is a platform for everyday people and their stories, a bridge to connect each other and to just share life. All of us working together brings out the best in one another. Hi, friends. Welcome to Call to Connect. I am so excited to have you back with us today, and I am really excited to have and to introduce to you our guest today. His name is Jake Glover, and I really feel like there's going to be a lot of um, gold and takeaways from this show, so let me share with you a little bit about Jake. Jake loves life, and he loves people. His passion is to see people unlock their potential. For Jake, this started by him dropping a self-story of an orphan to understanding his identity as a son. And now as a son, he understands that he's been designed to live like a king. Jake has done a little bit of everything. He's been a full-time pastor, an IT guy, an education consultant, a worship leader. He has a PhD, is an author, an entrepreneur, and dad to seven kids from five different moms. That's the story a husband, and a Jesus super fan. So let's go ahead and chat with Jake. Welcome to the show, Jake. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is fun. I love connecting with um, all kinds of people, and I really love connecting with people um, that are new friends to me. And I really, honestly, I love getting to know them more as we chat, like not having a whole lot of info so then it's 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 exciting to me as we chat to just to have the the layers peeled back about who this person is so i'm excited to get to do that today yeah yeah me too so welcome to this show jake i would love to have you um, share a little bit about yourself and your family yeah thank you so i have been on an interesting journey um i have been in some ways i feel like forrest gump uh because uh, if you, d- depending on what section of my life, you're going to see me wearing different hats. So I've, I've been a full-time pastor, uh, in there, in that role, I was a youth pastor. Um, I've been in, you know, a four walled church. I've been in uh, startup churches that are meeting in, um, uh, high school, uh, cafeterias. I've been in churches that meet in homes. I've gone to Bible college and have a Bible college degree. I've, I've got a PhD in the uh, higher education administration. Um, so it just, just I've been, I've been an IT administrator. Um, so I just keep fa- falling into these different areas of life. And it really wasn't until you know, probably the last 14 years where it felt like, well, no, that's not actually true now that I say it out loud. I've always wanted, since I was 14, like I, that's when I gave my life to Jesus. When I was 17, I said, God, I want to live my life for you. And that's when I decided I was going to go to Bible college. And and it's taken me on all these roads where I thought if I wasn't, my paycheck didn't come from a church, then I wasn't really serving God. I went from that extreme um, all the way over to this this revelation and understanding that that all work is worship and where I felt like he called me into higher education. And so that's why I got a PhD because it almost felt like a missionary. Like you have to speak the language of the locals. Getting That was not my career trajectory. It wasn't on my heart at all to where now I feel like I'm in an, a new transition um, where I'm still working in higher ed, but I see myself as an entrepreneur. Um, I've written two fiction books. I've got two novellas out there. I'm, I'm working on a third 
And this fourth book and, and kind of the, the topic of the, of our conversation today is a nonfiction book. And I'm just, I'm giving myself permission to just go with it and not try and keep God in a box. Um, along the way, um, you know, I've, I went through, I was married for 19 years and, and my, my wife left. Um, and we had uh, six children together, four adopted, two biological. And I went through that season um, of, of what that looks like because I came from a divorced home and I'd always promised, you know, I made a vow actually that that was never going to happen. And then I found myself, you know, in the, in the shambles of that. And how do you, how do you unpack that? And, and how do you intersect with God through the midst of that? And then, and then finding him through the, and me partnering with him and praying, my prayer was, um, God, I know this is not where I'm supposed to be. I want my new wife and I want you to do for me what you did for Abraham. You know, Abraham sent a servant out to go find a bride for Isaac, someone from his own tribe. And I was like, God, I know you can find someone from my own tribe. And that's a whole other story, but, um, that's how my, my wife and I got connected. We've been married four years and, uh, we have a, a three-year-old. We missed having her on our anniversary by one week. Um, so our so my children our children um, range from seventeen uh, down to three, and uh, yeah so yeah my life has taken me in all kinds of twists and turns. Wow! Oh, I love that. And um, what are what's your wife's name and your? You know, I didn't. Names? I sh I should probably fill in the gap there. So my prayer to God was, I want my new wife. I, I want someone from my own tribe, and He said. Uh, if I would take care of his bride, he would take care of mine. And so I spent a season of be going to the leadership of, of the church I was a part of and saying, Hey, I'm here to serve. And so they said, great, you know, let we need help with worship. So I started leading worship every weekend and they said, Hey, we're going on a leadership retreat to the East coast. It's going to be expensive. And I was like, okay, well, God told me that I, I'm supposed to, uh, you know, I'm supposed to take care of his bride. So I just kept saying yes to those things. And then um, a few months later, it was actually through um, a web and a webcast. I was watching on Bethel, a group of entrepreneurs. There was an entrepreneur that had created a online dating site for kingdom minded Christians who are wanting to run with people. They want it was, it was exactly my prayer. God, I want someone from my tribe. Um, so anyhow, that kind of rounds out, but I wanted to add that part that God did respond to my prayer, not only in leading me to my wife, but also saying, Hey, tell you what, I got a plan for you. You take care of my bride. I'll take care of yours. And that was, that was another wow. walking out. What, how do I trust him in that? Wow. That's a, that's his own story, isn't it? Like yeah. a real story. Wow. I really like that. I might have to chew on that a little bit. So um, let's start out with how do you connect with God or people, um, however, wh whatever direction you want to run with that. Sure. Um, that's such a good question. The, there, for me, it's been this, this tug and this pull between doing it out of connecting with God out of a sense of religion, um, you know, coming from a place of, oh, you know, I, I should be having a quiet time. And, and that means that I should be, you know, checking off how many chapters I'm reading and oh, I'm going to go through a devotional. And there's not anything wrong with those. In fact, you know, those are good, especially 
when you're early in your faith, um, those are necessary. Um, and I ended up in Bible college, uh, you know, and so I, I had a lot of, you know, my homework was to study the Bible and to write papers about the Bible and, and those kinds of things. So I have a lot of uh, exposure to the word. And if you don't have that kind of background, then absolutely a devotional, a chronological uh, Bible is awesome, you know, where it reorders the books in the order that they were written as opposed to the, you know, the way that they're structured now. But, um, but then I lost my, my heart for it. It became a sense of duty and, and not out of relationship. And so connecting with God uh, now, and then I, I like walked away from all of that. And it was, it was kind of more just very loose. Um, I'll, I'll find God in this flower. Oh, look, there's a butterfly, you know, and, and there's God's in the butterfly talking to me and not, not necessarily audibly, but like a, a, just appreciating creation. Like, man, the sunrise is amazing and learning to just be thankful for the everyday things that we come across. And, um, and then I've been able more recently to kind of swing back to more, what I would say is a middle ground. And it's been interesting because this, one of the reasons why I'm on the podcast is, um, getting language for this discovery, like understanding, Oh, this is why my life was the way it was as I had this orphan mindset. And this is what's opening up to me today and, and going into the future, believing God at his word that he sees me as a king. Well, and now I've had this place where I've got this passion and I get up early because I want to write and I want to, you know, do these things. And I'm actually having to uh, put, I guess pump the brakes is the right phrase. I'm actually having to slow down and make sure that staying connected to God is my priority. So I'm actually letting my agenda fall away and just giving Jesus the first hours of this time. So I've gone all the way around full circle to where I get up at five in the morning. And the main thing that I'm there to do, because I have limited time in the mornings before the house wakes up um, and before, and then, you know, going to my, my day job, so to speak. Um, it's like, okay, Jesus, let's just, I just want to connect with you because without that, um, I've, I've learned finally that without that, none of the rest of it matters. So instead of trying to do it on my own strengths, now, when I connect with God, there are different things that I connect with him over, whether it's reading the, the word or listening to music or a combination of those, or reading what someone else has written in their, uh, journey with God, but the way I connect with God now is, is right back where I started, but now it's not out of a sense of religion. It's out of a sense of passion and relationship, this invitation to spend that first part of my morning with him. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, recently someone shared with me with a, a teaching that I was a part of, and he said for him, it was that revelation of grace, like not as, as what you said at the beginning, not, ticking off the box, not how much time, but that revelation of grace, like it doesn't have to look like anything. Um, yeah. And for me, I was like, whoa, like it was just, it was huge. And it was like just a, such a, a weight and a burden was lifted like that religious weight to, um, to have it be or look like a thing, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, um, let, let's talk about what does it look like when you are not connected either in your relationships with your family and friends or with, um, you know, Jesus and God. Yeah. So, 
so feeling disconnected, and this is actually like when I, I was saying earlier about having an orphan mindset, I think that's, that's really a good way to describe it is, is you feel disconnected. Um, you don't, you don't even, you maybe don't have language for it, but that's what's going on is you have disconnected yourself from the truth, um, of that. I am loved that God loves me. He sees me as a son. And sometimes it's out of our own woundedness, um, that we, we function that way. So here's, here's what that looked like for me. Um, I'll start, I'll tell the story. So I shared with you the, the family picture. I talked about my family and, and I mentioned that, you know, four out of our seven children are adopted. And, and so I've, I've pondered, you know, an, you know, an orphan mindset, how do you help this person feel like they're in a family? And what shocked me is that I would see similar tendencies, even in my biological kids, they, that they, it was amazing how they were acting similarly um, to each other. And then I started realizing that I was, I recognized it in myself, that I I was, I was living and, and feeling and thinking of myself as an orphan. And, uh, one of the way this really came to a head for me, it was about two years ago, uh, this time of year, my oldest son, uh, came to me. I mentioned that, um, he and myself and his mother are divorced. So he and his five siblings, so six of the kids spend half the month with us and they spend half the month with their mom. So every other week, um, where they're switching from one house to the other. And so my oldest son, he was a freshman at the time, um, came to me and said, Hey dad, I don't think I want to live with you anymore. I think I just want to live at mom's house full time. And in the moment, in the conversation, I, I did an okay job. I was like, Hey, tell me why you're feeling this way. You know, of course this, you know, bothers me, but I want to know more what's going on. And, and he did his best as a, as a 15 year old to try and articulate what was going on. But then it was, you know, right at the end of the night, right before bed. And then I went, I went to bed and I, I just cried on my pillow. And, um, and I was, and I was hearing, I started unpacking what I was feeling and I was hearing my own dad, um, coming back to me uh, when I was in sixth grade and he and I were having this altercation and, and he had said to me, don't make me choose between you and your stepmom because you might lose. And even though I, I have, you know, I've walked through that, I recognize the, the hurt of that. I've, you know, I've, I've gone through forgiveness and, and those things. Um, I could hear uh, the, like that fear of rejection was coming through my 15 year old, you know, speaking to my sixth grade self, if that makes any sense, a little time travel kind of thing. Um, and it, and that's where I started unpacking, well, what, why am I feeling like this way? And that's where I started getting language of, you know, this broken foundation, an orphan is going to live disconnected. That means that they're going to live out of place of a lack of trust. For other people trust that, you know, ultimately trust that God, you know, is going to come through for me, that I've got to fend for myself. Um, and it doesn't matter what other people say to you. They don't, they don't stick, you know, like if there's cracks in the foundation, praise, affirmation, it slips past and, and goes into those cracks. Um, you know, it, it makes a, it makes you indecisive, uh, when you live that way, it, it, out of a, like a, a fear of man, like a fear of rejection, will say even it makes it really hard to like Christmas shop for a person. I, I said this to my wife uh, fairly recently. I said, I must be really hard to buy 
Christmas presents for because I'll just say, Oh, I'm fine with whatever, you know, do whatever you want. And, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll love anything that you do. And I'm, and what I'm, I'm realizing that at the root of that is, is this, I don't want to offend. And so, so then you never take a position, you know, people who won't stand for anything will fall for it for people who stand for nothing will fall for anything. It's like that kind of a, a, a heart position. Um, and so, so ultimately orphans live in fear is, is basically, you just have this fear mindset and it's really, you don't notice it. So that's being disconnected or not feeling connected to God is, is recognizing in myself. And that's a fear. That's a, like putting my finger on it. That's something I'm afraid of, or this is making me afraid. Um, and anytime we feel fear, it's demonstrating that, that there's a lack of love in there um because love never fails and so if we're feeling afraid then we're not yeah there's something there's a broken connection to love and fear casts out power i mean we're powerless when we're fearful right yeah wow well that was so um is that part of so let's let's talk now about what you're currently working on or a part of and i know you mentioned a book is is that in this book it is it is so i'm i'm in the second draft of the book right now and so it, it has a little bit of you know refining i guess would be the way to say it um but i'm i'm i tell the there's a whole series of stories that tie around these kinds of things that i oh this is how i realized that i was feeling like an orphan, or this is an example of, of an orphan mindset that, you know, an orphan doesn't know who they are. And this is what that looks like. Um, and then from there, I, I, you know, I say, well, the antidote or the obvious uh, next step of thinking of yourself as an orphan is to, to move out of that mindset to believe the truth, which is we're sons. Um, you know, I'm a son, you're, you're a daughter. And, and that, um, you know, the, believe the the word, believe the Bible for what it says about us. It says we are the preciousness of God. It says we are his chosen people. I was reading in first Peter this morning, uh, you know, chapter two, like verses seven through 10 is, is basically like the mission statement. We're called chosen people. Uh, we're called a royal priesthood, you know, which means we're priests and kings. Um, we're, we are sons and daughters. We, we are invited to be friends of God. And, and so, so it's, it's accepting that identity of a son. So the, it's a, what I'm doing is I'm articulating this in a book, but then I'm also looking for opportunities to, to speak about it. So some of what I'm sharing with you here, um, I had the opportunity to speak at our men's breakfast and at my church and to say, uh, to these men, Hey, this is what an orphan thinks like. And, and then said, you know, anywhere you're feeling fear, uh, there's a lack of love. And so we actually turned it into a little bit of a workshop. And this is what I'm, I'm doing in the book. Is here's a series of questions to help you unpack. What am I, why am I feeling fear? Where, where did this disconnect from love come from? And um, I actually finished the story. Uh, what happened with my son and, and, and how I started to um, make that connection of living as a son. So as I was sharing this pain with people in my life, you know, God 
God speaks through donkeys, right? Uh, so my boss, and if he ever hears this, I don't think he would be offended because I would say this to him if he was in the room, but he's not a believer, not a Christian. In fact, it's almost a, a source of pride for him that he doesn't believe in God. Um, and yet he and I have this kind of Daniel Nebuchadnezzar kind of relationship. I, I love him dearly, and he has become a true friend over the last several years. And and as I have... Um, as I was sharing with him what was going on with my son, he shared with me some painful moments that happened in his own life with his own daughter and his ex-wife. And, and he, he passed on to some advice that he had been given. And he said, uh, this guy was telling him, he said, you know, my dad's a jerk and I still love him. You're not a jerk. So don't worry. Your daughter's going to come back. And it was so interesting how God spoke to me through this unbeliever who is, who is basically recounting to me the truth of the word which is we're wired to love our fathers because we love because he first loved us. Our heavenly father first loved us. I, I truly believe it's in our DNA um, to love our fathers and our mothers and that it's only through our brokenness where those things get, get separated. So my non-Christian boss um, was able to help me step into my identity as a son of God um, and so one of the lessons that I took away from that is that sons forgive. I mean, I knew that, but in, but I was able to like, oh, this is this is an example of how this works and and to live more unoffendable. So when we, when we are wounded, we know that we've already been forgiven. Our identity is established in who we are. We believe more the story of God over our lives than any other story that comes at us, even stories that are happening on the inside of us always going back to, no, but what does God say? No, God, who do you say I am? And it allows me to walk out of a place of, of being unoffendable. Um, not that I don't get hurt and, you know, but I, I can come out of a more healthy place because it doesn't attack my identity when someone, you know, does something that hurts me. It's, it doesn't attack my identity anymore. Yeah. When you feel triggered, you know, yeah. Um, you don't have to feel triggered, but if you are, um, it's just an indicator like, oh, this is what's happening. And I already know the truth. So, you know, so it's not actually a trigger. Yeah. And you can flip it and say, wow, this is this is like um, almost like just a, a stepping stone or like one of those memorials, you know, when they in the Old Testament, when they would build the stone memorials. Yeah. And you're like this. That, that's what this is. It's just, it's, I remember that time, but that's not who I am. And I can thank God for, for the growth set yeah. that um, he has allowed me to have. So, yeah, we, we, those are called Ebenezer's and uh, we, that one of our sons, we gave him the middle name of Ebenezer for that, just for that exact reason, like a, a stone of remembrance. This is how far, this is what, what God has done. Bill Johnson, um, I heard him say this recently, or maybe it was in one of a book actually. He was talking about we have we have no right to go back, no legal right to go back and look at our past when it's already been forgiven. Like we can only look at it through the lens of what Jesus has done um, because it's been paid for. Like we don't own it anymore. We don't own our past. It's been purchased by Jesus. And so to go back and try and view our history from any other perspective other than that is, is like stealing something that doesn't belong to us. Mm, wow. 
that's a one to chew on too, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like these, all these nuggets from Jake. Yeah. So, um, how does it look from when you started, I guess we'll say from, I don't know if you want to, if you want to talk about from the perspective of, of wanting to make it a book, mm-hmm. how does it look from that perspective to now when you're nearing completion? Is that right? Yeah. So the one part of this is, is as I make this transition from, okay, I'm, I'm not going to live like an orphan and it, it's a choice. Like there are still parts of my life that'll come up and I'll, and I'll catch myself. Oh, that's, that's the old you. That's how you used to think. Don't do that anymore. Um, so, so staying grounded in, in the identity of a, of a son of God. Well, now it's, I live from this place of everything that's his is mine. I have an inheritance that's, that's here. I'm not just sitting in the house with nothing to do. So if you live in God's house, I mean, think of all of the amazing things that you get, all the toys you get to play with. I mean, he lives, you know, he lives in a good house. And so that's where we start making this transition to seeing ourselves as kings. So the, the, the title of the book, the working title I have right now is From Orphans to Kings, a 10 day journey to radical life transformation, I, I think is, is, so as I'm structuring the, the content of the book is like a daily journey. Let's spend some time unpacking what it means to look like, what, it, you know, did you realize that this is, this was orphan thinking and then unpacking. Now this is what's available to you as a son. And here's how you walk into this. So for example, in that men's group um, or men's breakfast, uh, the exercise I had people do was, is there anybody you need to forgive? And I, I had a really neat testimony from a friend. He said, you know, I've, I've worked in, in my office for six years and I didn't realize that I was harboring unforgiveness. And, and this is a guy that I, you know, I run with, like we link shields with. He's got, he's got his own men's group that he, he works with. So it's neat to see how God, you know, will work with us wherever we're at. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm ahead of you and you're below me. It's no, it's like, this is us being the body. This is us being a family together. And so just in that simple act, and there was a couple other testimonies of, of guys in the room of that point of going, oh, I need to just step out in, in forgiveness. And so, so that's, so in the book um, that, you know, walking through that and now me trying to practice what I preach as a, a king then um, is going to live from a domain. Like we're, we're all given authority. We're all, if, if we believe that we are sons and daughters of the king, then he has a kingdom and he says, now go and take this and, and I'm putting you in charge of things. You know, the parable of the talents, whatever, whatever is in front of us, that's our domain. And I, I believe there's always an opportunity to ask him for more and say, hey, God, I'm, I've been faithful with what you've given me. What else can I do? Or, or then uh, you start to counsel with other kings and partner with them and what they're doing. And you say, God, I really, the heart on this person over here, I want to see them accelerate and I want to see them grow like, this uh, interview, Allison, you know, is you saying, hey, this is what I have in my hand. I want to accelerate other people and give them a platform to speak on what God's doing in their life. So this is like a kings, kings and queens counseling with each other and saying, hey, let me help you get your message out. And so that's so what I'm trying to do then. And one form of this is a book is get that message out there to other people and give them opportunity to see themselves. That's my passion is to see people unlocked from the things that they're trapped in. You know, C.S. Lewis has this, uh, this really great quote where he says, 
where we've been invited to this uh, this beautiful banquet. We've got this massive uh, array of food, and it's everything your heart could want, and yet we content ourselves with mud pies on in the dirt, and we we turn our back on the banquet. I, I want people to turn around and see the banquet that's a that's right there in front of them, and so. So living as a king then is is trying to step out um, and and just take action on that and actually invest into that. So I don't I'm the purpose of writing the book and I'm I'm actually taking this content and and trying to put it into an online course. Um, I'm I'm experimenting with that and then I'm also looking like I I spoke at my men's group. I'm looking for opportunities to go and speak at places. Um, is is really about you know, you don't have to stay stuck. And, um, so, so the, so for example, I'm, I know we'll come back to this later. I, I'm actually happy to the listeners on this podcast. Um, as soon as I get my, uh, my final draft in my hands here in the, the next several weeks, I would love to give everybody a copy of an, uh, the ebook, you know, just because, because the, the point is to get the message out there and to partner with people and to, to counsel with people, um, who, who, who want to go on the journey together. You know, I had a thought while you were talking, um, and it's just a thought, but maybe it's something that you could even take into, um, jails or prisons, like be, be allowed access to share. Yeah. And yeah. even, you know, take some books in there for them. I would love it. Yeah. That would be, yeah. that would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'd be life changing for all of them. Cause I mean, I feel like probably that that orphan and the lack of that fathering, um, the spiritual and the natural, but it leads to a lot of the stuff that we find ourselves doing that we don't want to be doing and choices that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so having that, having an opportunity to hear from a father, you can father fathers, um, and to help bring that new understanding and that rewiring and then, you know, to sonship and then to that kingship and enrolling from that place. So you have, that's, um, it's really a wonderful, um, I say platform, but I think opportunity that you have allowed Jesus to do through your heart and your life and your experiences and, just giving it to people is, it's awesome. I love it. The father's heart is, is something that I've been, um, recently really been noticing and noticing it in, in other people. And, um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm still, I'm still trying to understand why it's becoming really apparent to me in these last couple months, but I, all I can say is I love it and I love seeing it in people. Mm-hmm. So and I love seeing it in you. So, yay, that's awesome. Um, Thank you. Well, yeah. He's so generous. He loves to give. And so that's a natural outflow of, of, and we have more than enough provision. You know, the phrase, we're blessed to be a blessing. So, you know, it's just, it's natural to then want to turn and, and give, give away, you know, give, this is what God's given me. Now I get to share it with you kind of thing. Yeah. We give away from the overflow and the excess, don't we? Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience about what you're doing? Um, I'll, I'll drop your um, 
I'll share right now your social media and your website. But if, if there's anything else you want to share with people, then please feel free to do that. Yeah. So, and yeah, and thanks again for the opportunity. So the, so the principle here that, and I guess a challenge for the, for the folks that are listening is, you know, we want to align ourselves with the truth before we see it. Um, um, I, I caught this phrase from Dan McCollum and I, I love it. You know, we know the phrase on earth as it is in heaven. And actually that's, that would be a good catchphrase for living from the mindset of a king that now that I'm a son, I have all of this provision. Now my job is to go and partner with God to see things happen on earth as it is in heaven. But the phrase from Dan McCollum that I love is that may I be on earth as I am in heaven. And, and so living from that place, uh, so for example, you know, David came from the old Testament, David was anointed King long before he actually took the throne, but he started living like a King in that interim. And that's, so that's my, my challenge and my hope for, for the folks that are listening to this is that we would align ourselves with the truth of who God says we are. So God says it, you know, this is what David did. God said it over his life, then he did it, and then it happened. And so encouraging people uh, to, to do that. And then the, the other one, and well, before I, I got a, a quick story, but before I do that, so again, in that men's breakfast, you know, I was walking people through it and I said, hey, kings are generous, they give, is there something that you're supposed to give? And I was surprised to hear back some of the ways that that the men took this and ran with it. There was a, a young man in the group and he was um, he was really touched by that thought. And he ended up taking in a friend um, and, his, and his family into his home for a season. He said, I, you just said that God put that on my heart that, that the, the greater king gives the greater gift. You know, like the Queen of Sheba with Solomon and and so it's so it's in, it's fun to see people latch on to this and go. I do have I have everything in the world. I have all the time in the world because God is outside of time, and I'm seated in heavenly places with Him. I have He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That the, a kingly mindset is to live from a place of generosity um, and and wanting to give that out. And and then the other thought that that I wanted to challenge people that are listening. Uh, to this is out of James four, you receive not because you ask not that he is a good daddy. And, you know, like it says, it, who of you, if you're, if your child asks for you, you know, ask for bread, you're going to give them a stone or if they ask for fish, you're going to give them a snake, you know? So, and you, you know, you being evil, you still know how to give good gifts. So God's so much better than that. And so here's, here's just a fun story of what this looks like in my life. Um, even though I had a, a predominantly orphan mindset, there's still some ways that I could see this operating. So that's where I'm saying this isn't like a, a continuum. It's more of like a, a mentality. And, and the more we like, it's a posture. I'm going to posture myself as a king. But if I'm living as an orphan, then I got to go back to understanding who I am as a son. So the story was, um, you know, way back in the day when the iPods came out, so we're on a podcast. That's why, you know, they're called podcasts. Um, I was, I just fell in love. I'm, I'm a pretty big Apple product fan anyway. Um, but I had no, you know, it just was, didn't make sense to buy one for myself at the time. And then some time passed and there was a young college student in our lives that we just wanted to bless. So for her high school graduation, we ended up giving her an iPod. You know, that was, it was like 
that was like that point of sacrifice or that I know I could buy this for myself, but man, it sure would bless this young lady who has been such a blessing to our lives. So we're going to give it away. And then you just kind of trust God with the process. So fast forward several years later, the iPod touch comes out. And then I look at that thing. I'm like, oh man, that's amazing. But that would make a really great phone. And then sure enough, you know, a couple of years later, the iPhone comes out and I'm, I didn't even have a cell phone at the time, but I thought, man, if I was ever, if I'm going to buy a phone, it, you know, I would love to get an iPhone. Of course, you know, they're at a premium and I, so I'm not, I'm not going to get an iPhone, but I did. I had this conversation with God. I was like, God, I would really love to have an iPhone someday. So uh, not too long after that, it might've been a year even, I don't know. My boss gave me an iPhone as part of my job. So my first iPhone that I ever had was actually given to me. And, and then as I was thinking about that, this story, I went back and I, and I looked and of, I've had what, two Mac, two Apple laptops, this, this, I have a Thunderbolt display, um, but there's been three or four iPod, iPads. Um, I'm trying to remember now that I've had, I've actually had more Apple products given to me in terms of, Hey, this, you need this for your job. Here's an iPad. Um, hey, you know, we've got extra money in our budget. Everybody on the team is getting an, is getting an iPad. Those things are happening to me more and more. Um, and it, and I really believe that it started from just that simple act of like, Hey God, this is something that's precious, but let me have you. So we, we receive not because we ask not. And, and so, and it becomes like this little, like the name of my iPhone is I'm blessed. I don't call it Jake's phone or anything like that. Cause it's just a reminder and he's such a good dad and he operates in such simple ways that he likes to do this. And so just one, one last story of what this looks like, even it, it continues to happen. You receive not cause you ask not. So I'm, th this is going to sound like a plug for Verizon, but I use Verizon for my wireless and I was interacting with them over something. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, they asked the standard question, is there anything else we can do for you? And I, and I said, well, I do kind of feel like I'm paying too much for my cell phone bill. And she said, well, let me see what I can do about that. And she comes back a few minutes later and she says, you know what? You're on this older plan that we don't even really offer anymore. I've got a better plan for you. You were on three gigs of data. Now I've got an unlimited plan for you. It's actually going to cost you a little bit less than what you're currently paying. So I was like, thank you, God. That's awesome. I get unlimited data and I'm paying a little bit less than what I was before. So then fast forward and Disney plus is coming out. And as a dad, you know, like I was, I was, I was telling my wife, you know, I was like, do I remember, I don't know if you remember this Allison, but on Sunday nights, Disney would have a, a, a show that, you know, it was like every, like every, it was either every Sunday night or some Sunday nights. And it was like, get the whole family together. We're going to watch sleeping beauty, you know, or you, you remember those nights? So I was telling uh, my wife, I was like, you know what? I think I want to get Disney Plus just to relive that. I want my kids, hey, it's family movie night and we're going to watch some old Disney movie. But I, instead of buying it, I kept procrastinating and waiting. So then, uh, long story short, if I find out, I see the, the commercial, I think I read it on an article. If you have unlimited Verizon, you can get a free year of Disney Plus. And I just was, I just was so blessed. It, you know, like, thank you, God. You know, it just was, there was, 
And I, I totally just give him credit for that. And I don't, I mean, some people might think I'm oversimplifying things or it was coincidence, but I don't, I don't believe it is because I could have paid for it, but it just was, he's just a good dad. And, um, and it all started with that. I asked, Hey, and so you receive not because you ask not. And a king, a king mindset is going to assume that there, I have authority in every situation and why not just ask and see what happens. So, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a couple weeks ago, I went on what I'll call an adventure drive with Jesus mm-hmm. into or toward and into the Santa Cruz mountains. It's about a two hour drive. And as I'm, there's this mountain called prayer mountain. Okay. And as I'm walking around this mountain and just like, okay, Jesus, what are we, what are we doing here? And, the revelation that I got is I, when I see the mountains, they just do something for my soul and I cannot put words to it except that. And so while I'm there on that prayer mountain, God just gave me the revelation that these ideas, these things that we have, like you wanted the Apple product and you wanted the Disney and I wanted to go to the mountains. And Theologically, I don't know how sound this is, but the revelation I got is that those things that we that we maybe undervalue or discount are actually his his plans for us, his desires for us. And we think, oh, it's just a drive to the mountains like I can, you know, but he actually wanted me there. Yeah. And he you know, he I mean, can you say like he wanted you to have these Apple products and we don't have to know why. I mean, you know, it's just a, it's just an example, but the revelation I got that day a few weeks ago is like, he wanted me there as much as I thought it was me just wanting to be there. He wanted me there. And so, yeah, not to undervalue the things that don't look again, religious or spiritual or whatever, however we want to word it. Like, you know, we can just really undervalue those things that we, we say are minor and then we miss we miss so much because we think, well, it's just me. So I don't know. It goes I've, it, to me. It goes with what you're saying. So yeah, I just you know, wanted to share that. It's an example of uh, you know he he wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could con- conceive or ask. You know he he's got you know everything. You know the whole world is in his hands, and so it's not it's nothing to him to help to provide to it, it's to me it's about the journey like he loves the journey he's already he's already finished the story you know jesus said it is finished and so it, it's 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 just us getting to partner with him in the process and that can look you know like you're saying allison it doesn't mean that it's only around you know really great things it's you know, like god you know in the, in my own story the times when I was at my lowest, um, he's there, you know, and, and he, he comforts you and he's with you. And it's not, it's not just seeing him only when life is good. It's, it's, a, it's even more precious when everything's falling apart. And I think sometimes God puts these little things in our life so that when times are hard, you have this tangible thing to come back to like those Ebenezer's you have that tangible thing to come back to and say, yeah, but I know you're good. You know, the testimony that 
I heard this somewhere also recently that the Hebrew word for testimony uh, loosely translated is do it again. So he gives us he gives us these things in our lives so that we could then say, hey, do this again. And then it's not just for ourselves, but it's for other people. Hey, God healed my back. He can heal yours. God, help me dig myself out of this, you know, this hole of, of financial, you know, terribleness. You know, he can do that in your life. I used to see myself as an orphan and now I'm, I'm understanding I'm living more like a king. He can do that in your life. So testimonies are powerful. And if we don't, we don't expect that to happen around us. We're really shortcutting some amazing power of God. Yeah. It reminds me of that verse, like we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah. So that word, our testimony, our word, do it again, is is in almost an authoritative sharing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, wow. Cool. Lots of lots of lots of gold here from Jake. I'm so glad that I got to have you on and get to know you. And um, I really, I really, really, really love this father's heart that you carry very well. And um, I know a lot of people are going to be touched by, um, you know, by the workshops that you do and the coffee shop conversations that you have with the stranger and the book that's coming out. And, um, it's amazing. And you just said, yes, you just allowed Jesus to, um, to, to share your story. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. And that's what, that's what this is. It's just, you're connecting. And that's what all of this is about is sharing our stories and in the sharing so much goodness happens. Um, life, freedom, love, peace, joy, forgiveness, salvation, um, oneness, unity, sonship, kingship, all of that. So, wow. So if people want to connect with you, um, I know you have a website, councilofkings.net. Yes. And they can email you at um, jake at councilofkings.net. Yes. And then on Twitter and Instagram, you are at J.I. Glover. And on Facebook, you are at author J.I. Glover and the inspired writer on YouTube. So we didn't even talk about that. Do you have some um, videos on YouTube? I have, I have a handful. I am, I'm trying to maximize the, the time that I have and, and trying to step into this concept that, you know, I am seated in heavenly places. So the inspired writer is another side project I'm, I'm, I'm working on. That's about, um, kind of some of these, you know, stories and conversations, kind of a devotional thought around the goodness of God and who he is. But the the group I'm trying to reach are people who've always wanted to write and um, maybe haven't ever done it before or they're new at it. So like I mentioned earlier, I have two uh, fiction novellas that I've written and I'm on a third and that's, that's a whole nother slice of my life that I want to tell the stories that inspire people to see God. Um, in, in, you know, different situations. So the power of story, Jesus spoke in stories all the time. And, um, so the inspired writer is partnering with the Holy Spirit, to, Holy Spirit to not only entertain, but to also bring transformation into people's lives. Cause you know, I hear these testimonies and, and I know you and I have both seen paintings that transform people's lives just by the, 
by looking at the painting. And so I know that there are, I've experienced it in my own life, coming back to a part of a story or a scene in a movie, there is a, a divine connection that can happen through those things. So the inspired writer um, is, is kind of a, a tangent or an offshoot a little bit about, you know, that I've, I've got this book that I'm working on about from orphans to Kings, which is more of a nonfiction thing, but, but the heart behind that is, is trying to see that happen in fiction as well. And so inspired writers can be nonfiction or fiction, but that's, that's the YouTube channel. Yeah. And on, on, um, and, and for folks that are listening to this podcast, if you do go to councilofkings.net, it's very basic right now. I'm mostly just asking for your name and your email address. But if you do sign up for that, um, I will give you a copy of, of my ebook um, when it comes out. And I'm hoping, you know, six, well, yes, <laughs> several, several weeks. I'll just say several yeah. weeks, but it, it will yes. be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Wonderful. That's exciting. I'm going to get, I'm going to go on and get my free ebook when it's out too. I'm going to register so I can be um, kept up to date. Awesome. Wow. Well, this, this is, has been um, really a really fun show for me to do and it's been life giving. Um, so let's close out on, is there, are there any, um, I don't know, one or two things that you're really passionate about that you would like to share with the listeners as a way for them to have a further connection into something fun or fabulous or silly or serious, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of mentioned it a moment ago, but the, the power of stories is, um, is fantastic. So the, so from that perspective, like the Disney plus thing, I'm just really kind of geeking out on, on the things that are on there and I'm excited for what's coming. So uh, C.S. Lewis has been hugely impactful in my life and the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, the, so if you've never read Chronicles of Narnia, um, I highly recommend it. Um, the, the movies that are out are pretty decent. Um, the same, the same people who wrote, um, some of the most recent Marvel movies were the ones who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. So it's kind of fun to go, Oh, I see where they were kind of cutting their teeth, so to speak. But one of my favorite scenes I'll, I'll mention two favorite scenes from narnia so that that i think if, if people haven't ever read this or, or or searched it out one is when eustace the the mean nasty cousin who you know i would say you know he's he's living like an orphan um he gets he gets that bracelet on his arm and he turns into a dragon and that's when he starts coming to realization of the kind of person he was on the inside and he wants be done with that and he has this encounter with Aslan the lion and the only way for him to do it is to to lay down and in the book it does a really good job of this it's been a while since I've seen the movie but he has to lay there and Aslan has to take his sharp claw and and cut the dragon flesh off of him and then he washes in in the in the pool that was right there and he and he becomes a new a new boy he comes better than he was um, when he started and just that that symbolism of allowing Jesus to work in our lives and to, and to go through the painful work of letting him take out these things that we feel like we need, but we really don't. We'll be better off afterwards if we would just sit still and let him do that. And then the other scene is um, later on, I believe this is in the last book of the series, 
and it's the actual birth of Narnia. And the way that he describes uh, creation coming together, and it's so powerful because you now as we're starting to learn the you know like some of the uh, of the physics, the power of sound. Like now in in the 21st century, the stuff that Lewis was writing about in the uh, the 19th century or the sorry the 20th century, Aslan sings the world into existence. And as the song changes, it says, and then trees would start to form and then the song would change again and then mountains start to form and the song would change again and now birds start coming and And I just love the power of sound. And so just to end on that note, that here we are in a podcast, that there's there's power in our words. You know, God spoke the world into existence. And so the power of our testimony is powerful, but just the sound. So, so as we're listening to this, um, I just, man, God, he is so easy to find. We live on the opposite end of a thin veil and uh, it's really not hard to find. So just encouraging people to, um, to engage with the story of God in our lives and, and whatever that looks like. Wow. Yes. I love it. I could listen to you teach all day because I feel like that's what it, this is what it has been is teaching and um, just sharing your heart, but teaching and, I love it. So I, I know that our um, listeners are going to also love it and be, you know, have revelation and change from that revelation. So wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jake. I'm excited to watch um, all of this continue to unfold and just to have a small part in it. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for being on today. Yeah. Thanks, Alice. And you're such a great encourager. Yeah. Bless you. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye.